Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Everybody, welcome. It's Kego Lasso. It's our weekend recap. We have Heath Pierce and Jonathan Johnson. We talk, of course, Arsenal's self-imploding situation. Tottenham and Liverpool drop points. We go all around Europe, including Lucien Favre losing his job with Borussia Dortmund. We talk Serie A. We talk PSG against Lyon and a possibly really dangerous, really bad injury for Neymar. We talk MLS Cup, of course, and so much more. Stay right here. Kego Lasso begins right now. Welcome, everybody, to Que Golazo, our weekend recap. My man Heath Pierce right here. Jonathan Johnson will join us in a little bit. Uh, and we begin. There's a lot to talk about, Heath, including MLS Cup, the rest of Europe, of course. But we begin with pretty much what we just witnessed. Arsenal self-imploding once again. Burnley beat Arsenal one nothing at the Emirates. Uh, courtesy of a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang own goal. In the league, it's their fourth loss out of the last five. In that period, they've conceded eight. They've only scored one. There are five points, Heath, above the relegation zone, and it's mid-December. This is no longer just funny rhetoric. This is, I think, alarm bells right now for Arsenal, Mikel Arteta's project. I am not saying that it's just Mikel Arteta here. I think everybody should shoulder some responsibility, but we are now talking about a situation where they're entering one of the busiest periods in the entire year, and they are five points above the relegation. So the next stop is not an easy game against Southampton. Heath Beers, talk to me. Uh, you uh, love this club. You know this club. What's going on, man? Well, first of all, Granit Xhaka, another sending off, is never going to be a, a good uh, a, a good situation when you're uh, playing against anyone. But, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Granite Chaka. Uh, there was no, again, Thomas Partey or Partey. Uh, you know, you never thought that you would be saying something like Burnley's playing Arsenal in a relegation battle, right? They are literally five points out of the relegation zone. I think right now, if I'm looking at the, the, the live table, five points out of the relegation zone against a team that was in the relegation zone prior to beating them today, right? Every, when, when Man City played Burnley a few weeks back, they saw that as the slump buster, right? As like, oh, this is who we're going to go bag a bunch of goals on and get our season back on track. Obviously, there was a little hiccup and, and a very big snooze fest in, in the Manchester Derby, but that's against Manchester. But they looked at Burnley historically as the team uh, that they go up and they beat and they batter and they then get their confidence back, which they did. And Arsenal weren't able to do that. And you have to look at Mikel Arteta now, 15, what is it? No, 13 points after 12 games. A little more than one point per game 
in your first 12 matches, right? And going into the season and, and, and the Thomas Partey, uh, is it Partey or Partey? I keep getting this wrong. Partey, I think we're going to go. Yeah, it's Partey. And I keep getting it wrong uh, for no reason other than the fact that I'm, it's stuck in my head now and I'll always get it wrong at this point. Uh, but that signing was going to take them to the next level. And it's finally this really good signing that was going to change things for them. And the first couple of games, you're like, wow, exciting. He's so good. Um, and this team is so good. But now you look at them and in the table, uh, they're struggling. And it's this really hard uh, period of the season where you have this like insult to injury type of situation that you lose to a Burnley. And all respect to Burnley for getting the result. But Burnley's a relegation team. They were on six points before today. And now you go and you drop points to them. It is just a long way to get past uh, anyone. You know, you're sitting in 15th place. Just to finish respectably is going to be a hard thing, let alone, you know, climbing out of this mess that they've created. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mikel Arteta was interviewed, obviously, after the game, and he was asked by Sky Sports, you know, do, do you think about this issue every day and what's going on? He's like, every day. Every day I'm thinking about this problem. And he said that, uh, quote, we need to score a goal. We need to put the ball in the back of the net. You see how the team work. We are top. Uh, we were top on the beginning form, the moment to when we had a player sent off. He believes that the player sent off changed everything. But to your point, uh, Heath, this is Burnley we're talking about. This is not Liverpool. This is not Manchester United. This is not even, you know, uh, an Everton. This is Burnley with all due respect, a team that really has been surviving in the Premier League for many years now and Burnley at home and Burnley at home with fans back in the stadium. There's a lot here that really could have pushed the momentum. And to be honest with you, I don't want to point the fingers completely at Arteta, but today he made some key mistakes. I don't know why uh, Shaka, even before the red card, was selected, to be honest. I don't know why somebody like Bayerin, who really has not been at the top level of what he can do, has been selected, to be honest. There's been so many problems that you just begin to think, you know, is it something that's going on behind closed doors? Do they not respect him, which is kind of amazing to me? Do they not uh, react to his strategy, his philosophy? And now you're thinking we're hitting mid-December. It's Christmas period. And, you know, the conversation should be, is this the man for the job? Yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. You, you really do have to question it. And if you look at the successful managers, uh, Jurgen Klopp was given, himself, was given plenty of time and he was given real money and transfer windows to bring in the right players. Um, you know, and, the, and, and he's been given that at Arsenal. And, and I think that needs to come again in the winter. But you've been given a chance now in this season, like you have in Europa League, to play young players. You can salvage this by changing the mentality of the club through younger players. Uh, and you can, you can sacrifice results when you have younger players if you have a plan with what you're going to do, whether that's adding younger players and bringing in some new signings. But you can't tell me that Granit Xhaka has the quality consistently to be an Arsenal player. Willian was a notoriously inconsistent player during, during uh, his Chelsea years. Like, very good when he's on, but very bad when he's off. And he's, he's kind of, again, a mixed bag. Obama Yang, new contract and not scoring goals. The least, the, the, the thing that they could rely on consistently was, hey, let's try to keep a clean sheet, but we know Alba's going to, uh, you know, keep us in games. Hasn't kept him, anybody in games, you know, and, and they can't figure out how they want to start the team. Uh, do you want to play with Obama um, uh, Yang? up top do you want Lacazette to be your man up top really tinkering a lot over tinkering also with what's the right team who's going to prove themselves to be a starter I do like starting competition but 12 games into the season now you have to look at it and say what kind of year is this going to be 
if your players aren't performing, do you need to change? Do you need to say, hey, maybe we should go with younger players and, and figure this out over time? Or do you think that you stay the course and eventually the results are going to come? I think it's now one of those times that you have to shift and take a look at some of the young, your young players that have actually done well uh, in Europa League and, and rep them in and get them, get them those minutes needed that you wouldn't otherwise. If you're playing in the top six, those young players are never going to get the chance. You're giving them Europa League minutes. Now keep them into the team or, or put them into the team in the Premier League so at least you're developing those players because you, you're, you're not getting anything out of these games. You play your best players or your most expensive players. They're not performing and you're losing games. What about Mesut Ozil? Uh, there's there's comments maybe that he might come in at some point in this rotation. I mean, he's not just the answer, but he, there, there, there lies a player that can maybe give you an extra something. W what about him? You got to look at it and give him uh, a chance. You know, when I go, I was thrown out of my club, uh, um, dishonorably discharged, we'll call it, when I was in Germany. And our team was struggling in the Bundesliga. We came back from training camp in January and they, you know, Long story short, they were like, I asked for, I asked for a transfer. They said, hey, he's got a wrong attitude here. Not a transfer. I asked him to, to leave uh, by any means necessary. And, and they said, oh, he's got the wrong attitude. And back in that time, there was no real platform for you to stick up for yourself. So they give the story to build newspaper and then you pump it out. And now I'm kicked out of the team. I was still training with the club. And they're like, after a month, the team was struggling and I was playing really well. They're like, oh, his attitude has changed so much. And he's become, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was back in the team again. And Whether that's the case or not with Mesut Ozil, it is an opportunity. One, you're eating a fat wage with him. So why not? Why not? What, what's the, what, what do you stand to lose? Is he going to disrupt your locker room more than it's probably disrupted right now? No. Could he bring elements of his world-class capabilities? Absolutely. If it doesn't work, then Matt, then he's out. I know that that's a hard thing for an Arteta because you're like, well, if I go into this well and it doesn't work out, it's probably my job as well. Um, but I don't think that's a... a, a a bad potential solution. If it, if it goes wrong, it continues to go wrong, but at least you're showing some uh, creativity in your thinking. But yeah, I don't think that's a bad show. They lose to Southampton on um, their next game. I believe is Southampton just checking the lineup here, but if they lose that game, he's Arteta's gone. Do you think they play on Wednesday uh, at home to Southampton? Then they're away at Everton. Then there's the quarterfinal in the EFL cup against city. One of those, they lose, I feel like Arteta is done. Maybe not the EFL Cup, but uh, at home to Southampton, away at Everton. I mean, you know, Everton just beat Chelsea. Yeah. Southampton's fourth in the table. Like these aren't, you know, Southampton. Uh, who did they play this weekend? They um... Southampton. Southampton just. Oh, they battered Sheffield uh, like three nil. United. Like th this is a, those. They, they're hot. You don't want to play them either. Uh, and so th there is a lot on the line right now, you know, so why not? Uh, okay. Maybe you continue to double down with stubbornness and believe in your players and show faith in them. And then maybe that's what turns it around, but there's clearly something off here. And it's not, again, when, when you look at Manchester United's poor results over, over time, you're like, it's not for a lack of quality. Right. They have a lot of quality. Uh, and it's the same thing with Arsenal. It's not for a lack of quality, but sometimes whether it's, um, you know, form or it's morale or it's the issues with the manager, something is off and someone's got to take a deeper look into what it is and figure it out because they're sitting a few points out or five points out of the, the, the relegation zone. I'm not worried about relegation, but it's more contextually, uh, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in the conversation with Fulham and with, uh, with uh, Burnley and they're both, they both got points this weekend. So and I tell you what, my friend, I know that you're not worried about relegation, but this is the kind of year where nothing should be taken for granted. And the fact that five points above the drop zone for Arsenal in mid December 
Woo, baby. What do you guys think? Uh, send us your questions. Tweet us, Kegolasso Pod. Let's stay here in, uh, in the Premier League. The Manchester Derby was an absolute bore, uh, which we kind of sort of predicted. Uh, Liverpool and Tottenham were held actually this weekend. Tottenham held by Crystal Palace, Liverpool by Fulham. So, and Leicester City got a big win climbing up the table. So right now, as we're looking into the next uh, week, Tottenham still lead uh, on goal difference. Then Liverpool, Leicester City, Southampton, as you mentioned. Chelsea losing to Everton. West Ham getting that win against Leeds uh, on Friday. Uh, we talked about the Derby. Villa getting that late goal uh, against Wolves. Uh, and the shape of the table is still, you know, up for discussion. But one thing is for sure, um, nobody seems unbeatable and, and everybody seems vulnerable in one way or another. Yeah, I would love to see this table stay like this through January, right? We'll probably <laughs> yeah. see it start to, you start to create gaps as you go through this period through Boxing Day and into the new year. And, but, but there is a chance because a lot of these big teams are, are playing each other uh, between now and into the, into the start of uh, the new year. So you could see a Southampton stay up higher. You could see a Leicester sitting in the top five still. Um, and, you, and you could see it, it being a while before your Man Uniteds and Man Cities are, are really having any sort of impact on, on the top five or six. So, you know, I, I would love to see this out because it's, it's anybody's right now. Even Liverpool today could have jumped uh, with a win. Uh, playing with again a, a, a weakened squad, uh, but weren't able to get three points against Fulham, and and same thing with with um, Spurs could have sat top of the table with with a win, but Crystal Palace were very very good in the second half, could have won it themselves, could have gone either way, some really good chances, actually a really uh, really fun game and uncharacteristic uh, goals a goal against with uh, with Spurs, you know, being that you would think that they'd be capable of seeing out the win the way that they have. Um, uh, in the competition this year when they go up one of just being like, you know what, this is ours to take at one nil. They weren't able to do that because Crystal Palace were really strong and set pieces are everything. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, listen, everybody, the games are going to come thick and fast in the Premier League. Tuesday, we begin matches. Wednesday, there's matches, including a big one as Liverpool hosts Tottenham. Uh, they go matches on Thursday, the weekend. So a lot is coming. And this uh, Premier League gets uh, exciting, especially as we approach uh, the holiday. Well, we are in the holiday period. Stay right here, everybody, because when we come back, we will discuss MLS Cup and the rest of Europe. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody, to Gego Lasso. We continue this weekend recap with, of course, MLS Cup, the 25th season MLS Cup. And my goodness, Heath Beers, were we wrong? And I feel like I was bullied into this one. Columbus crew win 3 nothing. 3 nothing against Seattle Sounders. Lucas Celayaran, we talked about him a lot. He got a great brace in this one. Uh, Etienne got another goal, um, two goals in the first half before Celayaran finished it off. 3 nothing. a tremendous performance, Heath Pierce, and the crew's second MLS uh, Cup, and it really is quite a narrative. Yeah, this comes down to a few things. One, we were definitely wrong, but we were also a little bit right. You know, we talked about Zalarayan so much so that we were doing uh, name pronunciations, uh, which I thought, uh, uh, you know, look, he was the the man of the match by far. He was the MLS Cup MVP and uh, everything went through him. And, you know, when you start to look at a guy like that, right, you you talked about his pedigree uh, on, on the show this week. 
uh, on things, his ability to win, right? He, he comes with trophies, a winning uh, 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 caliber player, right? He, he's won things before. He's been in big matches. And we looked at Columbus and said, yeah, but without Darlington Nagby, obviously Nagby won one in Portland with Caleb Porter before he was an important part of it, controls the flow of the game and Pedro Santos being out as well. You say, you know what? This is like Seattle's to lose. How could they lose this? They're a playoff team. They're built to win championships, right? And they don't really care as much in the regular season. They're one, they're, you know, one, two, three. They're not really all that interested in the supporters shield, but they're always in it. They're that team that you know, uh, to put into context with the NBA, kind of like the LA Lakers, right? Where the, the regular season is just whatever. And then you crank it up a notch in the playoffs and that's where you get your real glory. And, and yeah, they've won open cups and things like that in the past. The uh, Seattle Sounders from the very beginning made the playoffs every single year, but they came out really flat. And that's all credit to Columbus crew. They disrupted the game from the very beginning. They pressed high, they made them uncomfortable. And, I want to start with, you know, and, and we're, we'll work through it, but I want to start with uh, Giassi Zardes. There were some people saying, well, he hasn't really been in the game much. He hasn't really done much. He didn't really do much in the final. But if you really look, at, look under the microscope, he did everything they needed him to do, right? He was the first line of press. He made it uncomfortable for the Seattle Sounders defense to play the game, and he made it predictable. I remember being uh, both when I was a left fullback, a, a, a center back, when I played the, the sixth position at times, the best thing that can happen to your team in any game of consequence or even non-consequence is to have the game be predictable. And when that game is predictable, you're now able to have a Zellerayan who can cut passes out. You're now able to push your lineup and cheat the game a little bit, move up the field to know that, hey, we're going to bait them into trying to play through us. And when they do, we're going to jump on those. We're going to win those 50-50 balls. We're going to win the second balls. And then we're going to go at them. And they did that perfectly. And then you look at Zellerayan. First goal, right? And then the second one on an assist where it ends up being very similar to the third one, but instead of him taking that shot, that awareness to then pull it back and lay it off to allow somebody else to finish uh, was magical. And then, you know, to put the, the, the nail in the coffin, it was uh, in- incredible. And it was loud. It was a crazy atmosphere for the amount of fans that were there. It was in Columbus. And it was this storytelling thing that when you go, uh, when you put Major League Soccer into context, 25 years, there is history for a number of clubs. Uh, Columbus Crew were the first soccer-specific stadium. They were one of the OGs. They, they uh, were almost moved after this last season, right? There was this Save the Crew campaign, and dramatic fashion, uh, they were able to win their last game in, in this stadium, which was the first soccer-specific stadium. And now they have a new ownership group. And it's just, it's those kinds of things that when you look 50 years down the line, you're going to look back at these memorable moments when this league is one of the marquee leagues in the world, right? I, I, I see it being definitely a top three league by that point, 25 years from now, if they can get through this, this COVID period, right? Being that it's a single entity structure um, and, and going through a lot at the league level. They're going to look back at these moments to say, hey, you know, you, you remember when they moved uh, the, the, the Dodgers, uh, Brooklyn, and you had the, the San Francisco Giants moved, and you have all these teams that moved in historic kind of traditional American sports. You're going to look back at this moment and say, hey, they saved the crew. They were trying to move them to Austin. They were able to keep them. They won MLS Cup the next year. Caleb Porter is going to be remembered for these types of things. You know, a guy who hasn't gotten the respect as a manager because he has a lot of things about him. So it's... It, it just it was a magical night, and we all teed ourselves up for this dynasty talk of of uh, of uh, Seattle Sounders, but Columbus Crew 
put an end to that from the very, very beginning, and they played a perfect game. Eloy Eloy Room came back onto the uh, into the team as a goalkeeper after having some timeout with with what I believe was COVID. And yeah, man, they 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 did what we thought they would do in putting uh, Morris uh, Aiden Morris on the field, nineteen year old, the youngest player to start in an MLS Cup final. All of these things created this magical night, and to win three nil at home in front of your fans. Um, when everybody wrote you off before you didn't, before you went through the controversy of losing players, I could go on for hours about this. I was completely wrong, and uh, they deserve all the respect. I don't want to for a second think that it was that uh, Seattle lost this because Columbus went out there and won this. It wasn't because Seattle didn't show up. It was because Columbus played a perfect game in a final. I don't think there's anything more to add to that. I think that was a perfect conclusion to MLS Cup. Congratulations, Columbus crew. Congratulations, because now it's gone from save the crew to finally we are champs once again, Columbus crew. Well done, Columbus crew, on winning the 25th season on MLS Cup. We'll be right back when we cover much more Europe and we bring in our friend, Jonathan Johnson. Stay right here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kego Lasso. We have Heath Pierce. And uh, coming in right now, Jonathan Johnson from Paris as PSG just lost against Lyon. Huge implications in Ligue 1, but also very big news regarding uh, Neymar. JJ, how are you, my friend? I uh, hope everything's all right. Talk to me about this game and what happened towards the end of it. Hey, all good here. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure. Uh, yeah, so obviously a big, uh, big result in the Ligue 1 title race uh, and won a match that could have massive implications for the for the way that the, the title race shakes out because uh, not only do you have PSG losing, that's uh, losing for the fourth time this season in Ligue 1, uh, losing for the third time to potential title contenders. We saw Marseille win at Parc des Princes. Uh, we've seen Lyon now win in Paris as well. And we saw PSG lose away at Monaco uh, a few weeks ago after the most recent international break. So things not going well on uh, on that front, the result front for, for Thomas Tuchel and, uh, and his players. But more uh, of, of greater concern, I'd say right now, 
uh, in the immediate uh, sense is the injury to Neymar late on. Uh, Mendes was shown a red card uh, after a VAR check, but you know you just had to see and hear uh, Neymar writhing around, crying out in pain. Uh, you know, and being taken off. It looks like it could be potentially a very bad ankle injury. Uh, I don't want to speculate. As to how long he could be out at this moment in time, obviously we'll have to wait and see what's said um, after the game. You know, we're, we're coming on to this uh, quite hot at the moment. But you'd assume from that kind of reaction that he's going to be out for a while. Whether that has Champions League implications, we don't know yet. But in terms of the league, it already looks very unlikely that he's going to be back on the pitch in time for PSG going to Lille. And considering the situation that they find themselves in at the moment, now now they've been knocked off of top spot and they've got a Marseille side one point behind them with two games in hand. Uh, you know, it is tighter than tight uh, and it's not looking good for PSG right now. Uh, and if they were to lose in Lille, I mean, assuming that nothing happens between now and, and that match next weekend uh, with Thomas Tuchel, you know, you could legitimately see him getting sacked. Uh, you know, if PSG were to fall to a fifth defeat, already this season. It's just unthinkable. Uh, but I, I'd say almost of greater concern than the results is some of the performances at the moment. It's just, it's lethargic. Uh, you know, there, there's a massive lack of, of concentration. People will be demanding to know why Thomas Tuchel started Kylian Mbappe on the bench uh, for this match, uh, you know, threw him on later on. It's a tactic that worked in the past, but the problem uh, the biggest problem I'd say for Thomas Tuchel, and, and it's been an issue for a while now, is it doesn't really look like what he's trying tactically anymore is, is really resonating with his players. They don't look like they're taking on board what he's saying. They're not putting his actions, uh, you know, uh, into, in, into what they're doing on the pitch. Uh, and it's, it, it is very concerning times from a PSG point of view. Great. Uh, from a, a neutral point of view, when you think of all the criticism that Ligue 1 has had, uh, you know, since uh, PSG were taken over by the Qataris and have, have pretty much, you know, had their own domestic hegemony, it's it is shaping up to be a really, really exciting title battle. It's great to see, uh, you know, names like uh, Marseille back in the mix for the first time in a long time. Lyon as well. You know, let's not forget that they used to be. Uh, you know, sort of what PSG are now, a, a massive domestic powerhouse winning year, titles year after year, won seven consecutively at the beginning of the 2000s. Uh, you know, and you've even got dark horses in there like Mo- Monaco, who are rebuilding, and even Montpellier, who, were, of course, pipped PSG to the title the, in the first season that the Qataris arrived in French football. So, you know, it is exciting uh, times, you know, for, for, for neutral fans and, and fans of other clubs in, in that title hunt. But obviously, if you're of a PSG persuasion, it's quite concerning at the moment to see just how vulnerable this side is. And we'd even seen it in the Champions League up until that uh, turnaround a couple of weeks ago when they won at home to Leipzig, then managed to win away at Manchester United and then won against uh, Basak Sahir. Uh, you know, amid all of the the, the scandal of uh, the racism claims. So it's been a very eventful couple of weeks for, for PSG, but at this moment in time, their their domestic form really is suffering. Yes, six points, everybody, in Ligue 1 between first and seventh right now. It's, it's quite uh, quite a tight race. But yeah, the Neymar news is really, really worrying, not just for the club, but for him, of course, uh, we, we, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, I want to keep you here. Just one more thing as uh, Heath and I now do a little Europe round uh, discussion. Let's talk about Germany for a second, everybody. Bayer Leverkusen. 
is the top of the Bundesliga, sneakily just, you know, everybody's talking about Dortmund and Bayern Munich, RB Leipzig, and here comes Leverkusen, uh, Leon Bailey and Leverkusen, top of the Bundesliga. Uh, you know, great to see uh, with that Dortmund losing heavily this past weekend, meaning that Lucien Favre lost his job despite a great Giorena goal. A lot to talk about in Germany. Heath, let's begin with you. Um, Leverkusen top of the table, Dortmund looking bad. This is uh, another, this is, uh, we're talking about Liga being tight. Germany also looking good. Yeah, look, uh, Leverkusen are one where, one, it was against Hoffenheim. So a very difficult, uh, difficult game. They were gifted uh, one of their goals, but Leon Bailey's been hot the entire season. Uh, Florian Wirtz also really strong, the 17-year-old. He's been great. Uh, and now, and now the, 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 again, it's wide open. When you have a Bayern Munich that's coughing up points, drawing against um, some of the, the, the smaller clubs, you know, it, it makes things for parity. If you look across all the leagues right now, Premier League, wide open, Bundesliga, wide open. And, and Leverkusen have always been in that sort of top four, five position. Not always, but traditionally Gladbach as well, playing, uh, playing their role in all of that. But they've just been quiet. As you said, the, the conversation has been very much about this shiny new toy that is RB Leipzig uh, and their, their sporting philosophy of playing young players. And you have Dortmund also the sporting philosophy of playing young players. Before all of that, Leverkusen was doing that. And they have young players in their squad. And yeah, they have some older players too, but they've been able to escape the limelight quite a bit and just focus on, on, the, on, on, on getting results. And they've been able to do that. Now they're sitting top of the table heading uh, into, again, a busy season. Yeah, JJ? I mean, one thing I would say that really uh, you know, piques my curiosity about Leverkusen is, you know, we're talking about the teams that were expected to be challenging uh, for the title at the beginning of the season. And I think Leverkusen were dismissed because of what happened in the transfer window. You know, we saw them lose uh, Kai Havertz. And I think when people looked at that and thought, okay, you know, they had their star man uh, taken away from them. There's no way they're going to be able to replace his quality. Yet him leaving has actually enabled, you know, some of the, 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 the 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 guys who you know had to share the limelight with him last season to to shine that little bit brighter. Uh, I mean, Musa Diaby, somebody who I know from from his time in uh, Ligue 1, has been very very good this season. Uh, you know, Lucas Alario as well has really come into it. Patrick Schick, you know, looks like a very very smart signing. You know, we'd seen him playing uh, for um, Leipzig in the Bundesliga. Leverkusen managed to pick him up, and and at the moment it looks like a, a combination. Uh, you know, of, of, of a lot of hard work and, uh, you know, some very smart transfer dealings, uh, you know, have put Leverkusen at the, the top of the tree. The one, uh, you know, note of caution I perhaps sound, uh, you know, for Leverkusen uh, between now and the end of the season is, you know, and I, I would love to see them maintain this form uh, and keep the, the title race very, very exciting up until the, the final round of matches. But there will probably come a time and you look at their form at the moment in the Europa League, they're absolutely uh, destroying some of the teams they come up against. They, they won scoring a, a bunch of goals uh, against uh, Nice uh, that, I, that I saw up close twice in the group stage. Very impressive. I think they're the first German team ever to have scored over 20 goals in a Europa League group. Uh, and I just wonder if there's going to be a moment where they run out of a, a bit of gas, you know, whether they they don't have the strength in depth or somebody picks up an unfortunate injury or there's a sp- suspension or something. Uh, but at this moment in time, you know, they're one of the form teams and they're really, uh, you know, milking that good form, which is absolutely what they have to do. Uh, you know, and fingers crossed it, it doesn't come to an end for them because it would be a, a phenomenal story. I mean, I remember growing up uh, with a very good Leverkusen side, as Heath mentioned, but they sort of 
they they got this uh the this Neverkusen moniker because they always came quite close they were forever the bridesmaid never the bride uh and it's uh yeah it you know it would be quite a quite a story uh for for them to you know to come off the back of losing such a, a great talent as Havertz uh, and then turn that into a potentially title winning season yeah, very quickly on Dortmund, everybody. I mean, title contenders ahead of the season, uh, but they lost their last three home games and, uh, and trail Bayern Munich by five points, 11 match days into the season. Uh, you know, uh, Edin Terzic, uh, you know, Otto Addo and Sebastian Gever will take over until the end of the season. But who would you like to see in that hot seat? I mean, I think I know what Keith is going to say. Uh, maybe JJ too. I don't know because he is a friend of the show. What do you think, Keith? Who should take over very quickly? Who should be the manager there? Uh, I think it'll. I, I think Julian Nagelsmann is probably higher up the list than 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 Jesse Marsh. But I would like to see Jesse Marsh then step into that RB Leipzig uh, and stay in that family uh, because he obviously understands the system to that. I think it's a job to be lost for whoever comes in uh, to a Dortmund. Uh, but my my wild card is uh, Pochettino. Why not throw a big name out? <laughs> Amazing. Let's start, let's start bringing big names to the Bundesliga. Let's go. <laughs> what do you think, JJ? You know what? Pochettino uh, to, to Dortmund would be very exciting. Uh, I, I see a lot of logic as well in going for someone like Nagelsmann with Marsh seemingly primed to, to step in and, and, and fill, that, uh, fill that void at, at Leverkusen should it arise. I'm going to throw out one potential curveball name. Uh, I think that a return to the Bundesliga with such a big club as Dortmund would make sense. I know he's doing fantastic things with uh, Southampton, but Ralf Hasenhüttl to, to go back to Germany, I think could be a very smart move for Dortmund. It would take some convincing, I'm sure, but I, that, that's a move that I would like to see. Obviously, there's people talking up Ralf Ranić as well, and he's got a, a history with Schalke, but I, I think he'd want too much power for, for for what Dortmund were prepared to offer, plus uh, the, the the rivalry uh, between Schalke and Dortmund. Uh, you know, I don't think he'd be particularly welcome at uh, Westfalen Stadion. So for me, I'd love to see Hasenhüttl. I, I, I thought, hey, Luis, I thought it, when he said back coming back to the Bundesliga, I thought you were going to say Jurgen Klinsmann for a second. There, you know? <laughs> no, he, he's not that crazy. Uh, but but we'll, let, let's finish off here. Quick Euro roundup. By the way, we're talking about uh, Liga being interesting. Uh, Bundesliga being interesting. Listen, Serie A. Milan just uh, dropped some points here. Tied against Parma. Napoli won. Inter won. So, you know, this is also a tight race. And then you go to Spain with Real Madrid beating Atletico Madrid, handing Atletico their first loss in the league. Uh, you know, now with Barcelona also beating Levante. I mean, they still got a catching up to do, but all around Europe, you see some interesting storylines. Uh, let's leave off with this. One final point from both of you, uh, just on anything else that we haven't discussed. I've talked about all these tight races. We've talked about the Premier League, but you're more than welcome to get yourself involved in there, JJ. Uh, Aston Villa Wolves is included as well. Any final points as we wrap up uh, this weekend recap? Let's begin with you, JJ. I mean, there's so many interesting uh, points that you, you've you already mentioned. I mean, the situation in Spain, uh, you know, what's going on in the in, in, in the Premier League. It, it, you know, I I do agree with you. I do think that the the situation in Italy. I mean, generally in Europe, in the in the bigger leagues, you know, to see the the title races this tight, uh, you know, is, is something that we've not seen for for such a long time. And uh, you know, the usual suspects, you know, a lot of them are not even uh, top of the pile at the moment. I mean, you know, we're talking about Italy right now. You look at, at Juve down in fourth. You know, it's very, very encouraging for the for the competitivity of uh, of, of the of these European leagues. 
uh, you know, to have the, this refreshing scenario where we've got unexpected teams uh, leading the leading the way. Uh, you know, to see a great club like AC Milan finally getting themselves back into better health. Uh, okay, they didn't get the result that they wanted against Parma, but still, uh, you know, they're, they're they're producing very good football on a regular basis now, getting some consistency together. Uh, you know, and if it was to to play out, it was a sort of battle between AC and Inter Milan. Uh, you know, for the Italian title at the end of the season, that would be uh, you know something that's uh, that's very exciting. But th- there's so much to talk about in all of the the major European leagues at the moment because it's not at all going uh, the way that we expected at the beginning of the season. And uh, you know, as frustrating as the the the, the situation has been with uh, with COVID and everything, you know, to have such a, an exciting, unpredictable season, you know, is also uh, you know quite uh, quite reinvigorating in a way. Yeah, absolutely, Heath. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, there's as, as, as frustrating as, as it can be to be stuck at home for the most part, uh, at least you're stuck at home with some uh, really good uh, leagues going on. But for me, look, Inter Milan and AC Milan have almost the exact identical record, but the biggest difference is, is AC Milan are still undefeated in the league, which I think means something. Of course, they drop points uh, today, but to be able to get one of those points back in stoppage time, I think, is a huge thing for them. And it's those little things. And it's also great to see Brahim Diaz coming to life uh, finally after jumping around as a young, as a young professional to, to kind of look like find his club and, and be in a system where he's getting plenty of minutes to develop. It'll be interesting to see um, him out, him for, for the rest of the season. So, yeah, that's my, that's my only take on this. Beautiful. And I dedicate this weekend to Emiliano Martinez. Just watch his highlights. Everybody, JJ, uh, thank you so much, brother. Thanks a lot for having me on. Obviously delighted with the Villa results as well. So fingers crossed we'll be getting more of that in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Heath is just realizing that he's in a Villa sandwich today. Oh, Friday Night Lights. I'm all about it. (laughs) Heath, thank you so much, my man. Uh, Thanks for having me. I want to thank Heath Pierce and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolasso Pod and stay with us because very soon, in fact, the next episode, we have our very, very important Champions League draw and so much more coming next week. Have a great night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.